welcome to episode whatever it is of Startup. Uh, I'm Andy. I'm Rolf Beans. Yes, and you join us in the Beans Cave. It's true, we are indeed in the Beans Cave, um, which is where we are. Yep. Which is the most exciting uh, introduction to a podcast you'll ever hear. Yes. Now, actually, before we talk about the thing in your hand, um, as we record this, it's, it's uh, getting close to Easter time, yes. as we know. So uh, we'll be hopefully be making some Easter eggs again in due course. I just want to alert the people out there to a certain licensed product currently available for edibles. I speak, of course, of Marvel Kinder Eggs. Yes. With, uh, basically, there's, I think there's also, is it Disney Princesses or Magic Pony? Disney Princesses available. Um, as, are, as are these fine things, which you can see via the magic of audio. Now, um, currently all available in the co-op uh, is this exciting new range of uh, Kinder Surprise Eggs. Andy, what are Kinder Surprise Eggs? Basically, it's a little plastic egg in a, with a little toy that you would normally you can assemble. So various levels of assemble, various toys. They usually do some licensed properties throughout the, the year, and it's enshrined in very tasty milk chocolate. Extremely tasty milk chocolate. Very addictive milk chocolate. Uh, I, I, as a child, I craved the Kinder Surprise eggs. Often. Was often denied them because the parents would say, "Well, you know, they cost X, and there's hardly any chocolate in them." And I said, "You're missing the point. It's a toy and some very tasty chocolate." Exactly. So it became a sort of a furtive treat yes. in, in my younger years when you were allowed the Kinder Surprise Egg. Now, I, I, I just thought we should mention this before we crack on because I, I very excitedly saw the Marvel Eggs and uh, when you pick up the Kinder Egg for the first time, it doesn't tell you what's in it. So you don't know what type of Marvel toy you're going to get. Will it be a little car, tiny little construction set, action figure? Or a really shitty magic trick. Oh, a, a particularly shit magic trick, yeah. They were always shitty. So I, I excitedly uh, purchased two to see who I got. And it turned out to be a lot of figurines. So far so good, you might say. Yes. There's, well, just to describe them, they're kind of uh, like mighty mugs kind of proportionally in terms of sort of chibi, super deformed, oversized heads. They don't have proper hands as such, more kind of like mitten fists. They do actually look quite terrifying. Yes. Partic- so particularly the uh, Spider-Man. Uh, the... <laughs> They basically have these big oversized heads with what can only be described as uh, football trophy lugs. Indeed. Uh, the exciting character selection is as follows. Iron Man, Hulk, Spider-Man, Captain America, Wolverine, Loki, Thor, the Lizard, Venom and the Green Goblin. Yes. They have a... <laughs> the thing that makes the nightmare feel... Is they're called twist heads. Yes, that is the action feature. Uh, which is available. So if you picture the, the, the head, and what you do is you, you, you pull on the string, which comes at the top of the head, and you lift off part of the head, which is where you might think their brains are. Yeah. Then what you do is you get another uh, one which you've purchased, and you, you pull the top of their head off, and then you get the two halves of the heads, and you combine them. And then you twist. Yeah. And then remove said heads, and there's a, inside there's a little panel, and it has a number on it, and the one with the highest one wins. Yeah. So you create this nightmare fusion. It's like, when you stick them together, it's like, for those of you who are fans of Earthworm Jim, and for those of you who aren't, I hate you, I hate I'm you all. I am one of those people who is not a fan of Earthworm Jim at all. I have long said. It's like... It's, 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 like, profe- it's like Professor Monkey for a head. It's, no, it's like that, that awful one. What's the awful one um, where people shout with spoons all the time? The tick. That's, that's awful as well. Uh, I would like to say that Burns does not speak for me on either of those. I love Earthworm Jim, and I do love the tick. Perhaps I'm going to tick you off with my opinions. That's what anyway, I was, so that's so for that. The reason why we just had to have a quick public uh, service announcement about these is to warn you. To warn you that should you see these in a shop and think, I might get a little toy. Nightmare fuel. Yes. Really ridiculous. However, I think it's maybe worthwhile getting a few more because if you get Venom, then Venom can literally eat people's brains. It's true. As he should. Uh, chocolate itself is fine. Yeah, that's kind of To bring it back to Easter, we have seen the Kinder Easter egg. Which uh, has Batman the Brave and the Bold on it. Yep. And it's, it has a, a Batman figurine in it. Uh, we almost bought it, but for there were two reasons we didn't buy it. The first was we weren't drunk. It's true. Now, the reason why we didn't but we needed to be drunk to buy it. It's the second reason we didn't buy it is the price point. Six pounds. Six pounds for an egg that does not have a mug. You are having a congealer. Not even a very big mug. However, no. I will be monitoring the situation closely, and during the inevitable 
price drops and uh, three for twos and the like should it become available that Easter egg won't get bought and it will be viewed yes. for you our patrons on this very exciting podcast plus also Batman the Brave and the, the Bold figurine would not have gone this it's an entertaining Batman yeah, that's fine I mean, for comparison, I, I recently purchased the uh, this year's Marvel, um, sorry, one of two I've seen so far, Marvel Easter eggs from the, the Valley of Joy that is the Tesco. Uh, you get a nice Marvel mug, which has got um, Spider-Man and Thor and Iron Man stuff, but a Kirby art up there. It's a good mug, nice and hefty. You get a big uh, egg with it as well. And three smaller eggs. The three smaller ones. It's, it's Bond Boy. Which are all blue coloured, so you can pretend they're all blue infinity gems. That's exactly right. Uh, which means you have to buy uh, two sets then to get enough Infinity Gems. Ah, well, no, because all the Infinity Gems remember different colours. Ah, oh, shit. Anyway, but, but an Easter egg chocolate continuity, it could be different. Yep. Exactly. Ah, uh, it's fine. It's Bonbon, my friends at Bonbon, it's a good choice. Yep. So, so that's sort of kicking off the uh, the Easter, because the Easter celebrations, because as we all know, the finest delivery method for chocolate is Easter eggs. It's true. And the finest way to get a good quality novelty month of the year is always Easter. Sure. So we'll, we'll keep you posted. Yep. Now we've got an unexpected news item out of the way. Yes. What have you got for us there? Okay, so I'm going to pick a publication. Oh. An unusual publication. One that I actually literally got hours ago. Indeed. Yes. This is unusual. It's not a comic from 1984. Or, sure. uh, now, so it's a magazine called Warhammer Visionaries. It's a very first issue. Now I should point out uh, I've dabbled in Games Workshop since oh, back in 90. 495 probably when I got first got into it and I enjoyed the managers they were playing the sort of painting of them and several of the games in particular their uh, sort of dark fantasy American football game Blood Bowl and Warhammer 40,000 and I've enjoyed most of the fiction that goes around with it but the price of the models that continually went up and up plus the constant dicking about for the rule system because they basically have to reinvent the games every few years because most of their target audience leave. They've got a, a narrow window in which to get as much money as possible from idiots like us. Well, I actually, I know, I never um, played any of these types of games. I only know Warhammer very vaguely, just through osmosis. Me and Carl, and, like, and generally, <laughs> because if you're in any way interested in any kind of drama stuff, even if you don't have any interest in tabletop miniatures and like. Games workshops, antics, and business practices are well known. Yes, the internet over. So that's generally my, my thing about this is I really just know game know about Games Workshop is a, a company which shall we say appears to hack off its customer base on a fairly regular yes. basis. Uh, but the actual games itself, I have no opinion about it. Not indeed to do much about them, mm-hmm. other than the fact that they're called Warhammer and there's books and there's audios and they've got creature things in them yep. and there's space mini chaps I believe are they, are they in them? Uh, yes in the Warhammer 40,000 uh, yes. Warhammer why, why is it called Warhammer 40,000? because the original game's uh, Warhammer yes. and Warhammer 40,000 is set in the 41st millennium there we go see there you go. Uh, basically if you read you've read some of uh, Michael Moorcock's Elric I have you know all the stuff about chaos. Yes. They basically filed all the serial numbers off that and put that into Warhammer Fantasy. I see. Uh, and then stripped mind it. And there's a lot of things that you can pretty much pick any fantasy genre and go, oh, you've ripped that from that. Yeah. It's notorious. Ah. However, so they've got a new new magazine called Warhammer Vision. Available in real shops, not Yes, actual proper shops. Apparently White Dwarf, which is their normal monthly uh, sort of magazine stroke catalogue, if we're being blatantly honest with it, is now gone weekly. And as a result, they've got a gap for the periodical market because it looks like White Dwarf will only be in their shops. Yes. Uh, so I thought, and it's a kind of a nice wee digesty size, slightly bigger than A5. It's what you call a handbag edition. Yeah. Remember when my. Oh, it's still going on. Wow. Still and, going. Indeed, but it started with um, magazines for ladies a few yeah. years ago when they started to purchase a, a smaller version which was called Advertise Explicitly as the version you could put in your handbag. This is before the likes of tablets and smartphones, by the way, kids. So the idea of being able to have your magazine in a smaller portable fashion, particularly for ladies in their handbags, was actually a selling point. This was then followed by other magazines, such as the Total Film and the like. It's about the size of the Dark Horse reprint of Ghost and Shell, actually. Indeed. So, so the Warhammer version, this has got a very striking photograph of a very well-painted Tyranny monster on it. Apparently it's monthly. Now... Upon, I thought, okay, so we'll give it a little shot. That's a nice new magazine. I thought, it's shrink-wrapped. It was shrink-wrapped as well, which yeah. is, I think, it's like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe they've perhaps reinstated it. As it says, Visions, maybe with some of the nice artwork from the various artists that have done for it. Uh, and also, perhaps, they might have resurrected some of their comic book work, which they used to do through Warhammer Monthly. 
So I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. That was What's a, the price point? The price point was £7. Really? Yes. Hang on, let's see. Is there a description here? Yeah. Because, uh, uh, 7 pounds 50, 50 or uh, 9 euros or $12 in the USA or $13 in Canada and some other currencies that I don't actually know. Um, so basically because it's uh, shrink-wrapped, the only way you can actually sell this magazine to you because you cannot um, browse it to see what you have is it has a little bit of paper around it that tells you Warhammer Visions is the new monthly magazine from the creators of White Dwarf. It's a visual feast of the best Citadel miniatures. Whatever the fuck they are. That's the moment. If in the world, including the latest new releases from Games Workshop, stunning golden demon entries, amazing conversions in Kitbash, our glorious army of the month, the wonderful world of Blanjitsu, and much more. So there we go. And then it tells you about White Dwarf, which is not the magazine they're selling you, yeah. which is very strange. Yeah. Yes. So, so you open the cover. And my heart sank. Oh dear. Because in this month's issue, it starts to tell you, and there's three paragraphs. Only one of which is English. Really? The other two are French and German. <laughs> That's right, it's a trilingual magazine. I have never ever seen a trilingual magazine. I mean, the only times I've seen trilingual magazines are like Titan Comics or, um, you know, those kind of freebie magazines, you sometimes get on planes and trains. Mm, you, no, you get them sometimes, like promotional stuff. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you get very large photos with one caption per page. Well, three captions, but one of actually original text. And, well, oh, and there's a little gatefold, sort of wanky wee postery bit in one part of it, which is absolutely redundant because it's a book with a spine, so you couldn't remove it anyway to do anything with Quality of the photography is absolutely stunning. There's actually a, what passes for a battle report these days, which in trilingual, one paragraph per page, doesn't work. Yeah. It's an absolute piece of shite. Dear. It's absolute utter dog shit. It's basically all of the photography stuff from White Dwarf taken out with a paragraph stripped down to the absolute bare minimum in terms of the accompanying text and slammed in to a square bound magazine. It's utter, utter fucking balls. Dear. I, I, the thing is, it's just the, the, again, the photography is amazing. The, mini, the miniature work is and the painting on is obviously fantastic. Yeah, as, it's, it's, I, as someone who knows he on a donkey about actually Warhammer itself and just viewing it as a publication, it, it seems a bit of a strange beast because it's, ha- it's a halfway house between a catalogue and a nice art book. Yeah. Now the, the photography is very good. The paper stock's very nice. It's very nicely printed. It's a nice feeling artifact. But generally, if I was into that. I would just say, just make that bigger and sell it to me as a book. So there we and go. take out the foreign language text I, I, and put some proper text in. So apparently there's an iPad edition available. Which is quite redundant because I can imagine that if you buy it, it will have the exact same as this because Games Workshop are lazy ass bastards. Also generally because in the App Store, uh, most digital versions of magazines are just the files of the print version. They're not usually anything different. Anything different. Which is which is usually fine. I don't usually have a problem with that. And also, people complain and say, "Who's enough hyperlinks and videos and all sorts of crap?" In which case, it's not a magazine. Go look at a website. Yeah. So that was Warhammer Visions. Yes, uh, I can honestly say I won't recommend it. I don't recommend you buy it unless you're, it's quite stunning for hitting people with this. It's quite quite good. That will hurt someone if you. I mean, I mean, that's the, all I'd say is that if if you like Warhammer. And you want lots of really nice pictures. You might, if you, you might be happy with that if you just want a VR thing. But again, I'd say when you have just have a book. Yes. So there we go. That was very exciting. I, I was thrilled to the bone yeah. to learn all about the world of Warhammer because it doesn't tell me anything about the world of Warhammer. Well, we can revisit that because I do have a rather large amount of Warhammer monthly, which is actually worth talking about because some of the comics now are quite nice. Indeed. But we'll come but, to that other day. In this remarkably modern edition so far, I'm talking about current events. Yeah. We've had current chocolate, current license tag, current magazine. Yeah. Could we even go the whole hog and think about a current film? Okay, well we could go so far as two. Oh, 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 oh my goodness me. So we're going we're gonna to kick you off with our, our weekend's cinematic excursion. So yesterday. Our, our completely unplanned cinematic yeah. excursion, yes. Uh, Due to the weather, um, other plans to do other things were cancelled. So said that uh, Robocop's on the IMAX and Robocop is in 2D. You don't do 3D. And IMAX is great. So it's like, might as well go see that. Trailer looked interesting. I'd yeah. avoided um, 
I'd seen just the one trailer and I'd avoided all the other clips and so on and the internet and so on and yeah there's a podcast I listen to it, I've talked about it occasionally but the great thing about talking about things in audio is it doesn't spoil the film Yeah. Uh, people were just talking generally about the toys so I've not missed anything so I went into it not cold as such but just eh, I'm interested in that we knew we were getting a Robocop remake so we knew there would be now here's, here's the thing there is the law of Robocop yes. which we'll now go through in intensive detail so we have as follows Cinematic wise, let's go in. We have Robocop, Robocop. which is fantastic. Uh, it's brilliant and again, actually gets better with age. A yes. lot of the satire, a lot of the satire in it is eerily pressing. Yes, it's it's what killed a Judge Dredd film for many many years. Yes, because it is Judge Dredd. I would still argue that it is in fact the good Judge Dredd film. We'll we'll come back to that point. Uh-huh. And I'll show you yes. in a minute. Uh, there is Robocop two, which happened. Which ha- again, <laughs> yeah. and. Then there's Robocop 3. Now, Robocop 3 is, of course, awful. However, it does have a jetpack. It has. Right, and Robo- an We've talked about Robocop 3 on this podcast before, so we won't run into it too much. There's three million things you need to know about Robocop 3, other than the fact it's awful. Robocop himself does not appear until 20 minutes into the film. At least in the PAL version. 20 minutes before your lead character appears. It's also a different actor this time. Yes. The first of many Robocop, the first yeah. of many Robocop replacements. Yeah. Uh, he does indeed have a jetpack, which is not as exciting as it sounds. No. He is. also fights a robot ninja. Again, not, not as exciting as, as it sounds. He does, however, help the homeless people, which... Is as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> now, I help homeless people. I, I try to in my job. Uh, people can debate whether I'm successful or not. I'm not going to go into detail here. But the most important thing is I don't get given a jetpack to do it, which I feel is wrong, because I haven't watched Robocop 3, it's like, I'm sorry, I work in social care, I try to help people, where's my goddamn jetpack? How many more people could help with my jetpack? Exactly! Um, I increase mobility. Increase mobility, uh, I could... Uh, for the time you, you currently ride in, it's uh, very difficult to, to navigate at times. I could, I could reach even more people. It's true. I could get on news. Uh, plus, uh, get home in time for dinner. Quite yeah. I'd, so, I'd like a no, so, it's bad, but it's not... I would say Robocop 2 is just awful to watch, it's just crap. Robocop 3, while terrible, I have watched twice all the way through. Yeah. Because it's it's watchable crap. So that they were they were the, the cinematic releases of Robocop. But no, the Robocop story does not finish there. So there we will go briefly uh, to the comics. Now, there was a Marvel comic, uh, by, originally by Alan Grant and uh, Transformers artist. Lee Sullivan. Indeed. Uh, the Firminator took over the book for a while. Now, the problem that the Robocop book had was it was edited by Gregory Wright, yes. who was also the writer of Deathlock, which is basically Marvel's version of Robocop. Yep. So a great many ideas, apparently, that were noted for Robocop were spiked by said editor, and then would show up in Deathlock. So it didn't really get well. Robocop didn't get on. It lasted about 24 issues, mm-hmm. but meh, wasn't particularly all that great. No. It went to Dark Horse for a while, and there was various mini-series, however, there are, there are actually two Robocop comics worth reading. There's, they're both Robocop versus Terminator mini-series. Yes. First is by uh, Art by Walt Simonson, and written by Frank, just before he went Horse, Horse, Horse Miller. We've talked about it before, it's very good. It's amazing. Very then there's the a more recent one by Dynamite, uh, called Kill Human, with art by PJ Holden, and I can't actually remember... Who wrote it? I think it could be Rob Williams. I have not as yet. Um, it's very this. entertaining. I'm talking about Robocop comics, so I always have a, have a big soft spot for the Marvel comic adaptation of the first film. Yes. Uh, in Glorious Black and White, it was published as it was published in, um, as a special, and all which was very hard to get a hold of yes. actually. Um, and I've since tried to reacquire it; it's never happened. And also, it was published at the back of the first three issues of Punisher UK. Yes. And it's uh, it's it's that's very good, uh, yep. very good special. I do recommend tracking it down if you can because it's not getting reprinted, kids. Yep. So then we move. So we'll move back from comics. We'll just take a, before we go back into the real world. We'll take a little leap into the world of animation, where Robocop had not one but two cartoons. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that it got one cartoon series? Never mind two. Two. There was the one that was called Robocop, Robocop. or also known as Robocop the animated series. Which was kind of just, eh. Yeah. It's, you'll find it on YouTube, it's inoffensive. It's not awful, well it is awful, but you know what I mean, it's not going to hurt you, it's just going to wash over you. It's very much just, it exists. Yes. Um, but you'll find a lot of people on the internet, particularly people of a certain age, um, 
will actually have fun memories, at least memories of a Robocop cartoon. And generally the cartoon that people are thinking about and they're confusing it with is the other Robocop cartoon, Robocop Alpha Commando. Yes. Uh, which I believe is also what spot, which had a toy line as yes. well. Yes, so again, they'll have a toy, toy tie-in as well, which people are quite nostalgic about. Now, this is the Robocop TV show, which actually isn't really about Robocop. It's about this team of people called the Alpha Commandos, uh, fighting corruption and so on in New Detroit. And Robocop is there as their job to help them. It is actually awful. Yes. However, it does have a kick-ass theme tune. Again, a lot of cartoons do get get by. Even more, it's just the, it's just somebody shouting, "Robocop, Robocop, Robocop!" Oh yeah, that's the entire lyrics. It's great. I want to recommend you do is you just go on YouTube where all shit cartoons go to die. Particularly, <laughs> particularly the Robocop shows because both of them have never been released on DVD. Which was I, I was disappointed. We're talking about this before the podcast. I was hoping for a cash in. A, a cheap cynical cash in because the new Robocop is a lower certificate it's not um, R rated or 18 and so I thought ah somebody else think to pump out the cartoons either digitally on DVD but apparently not uh, I'd imagine there may be some rights issues probably yeah, or maybe no one really cares but if you're curious about Alpha Commando as I said all episodes on YouTube it's the only way to watch it kids yeah. I recommend you just go on watch the title sequence stop 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 and this is what you should do in terms of any other Robocop media other than the film we're about to discuss because stop. now go back into the world of live action. Sorry, can I just stop you there again? Oh. I do apologise for these continual interruptions and I'll let you take over. It's okay. Don't, don't, look at me there, sir. I know we're going to talk about it, but I think you should kick off your television discussion with the infamous tea time edit. Oh, yes. the Robocop. Oh, yes, let's, which actually is... Uh, now, just to explain, for those who uh, don't live in the UK, it is... One of our big free-to-air broadcasters is ITV. Now, it's actually not so much a channel in itself as it's made up of a large number of different franchises, and a lot of them are regional. There's, uh, we have in Scotland two, predominantly. We have STV and Grampian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ireland had also, Northern Ireland had Ulster. Yep. And there's also, so you would have content that was available on all of the channels all the time, and then you had your regional variances depending on it. Now... STV produced for some. I have. No, I would love to have been in the room when this decision made this. We're needing to get something to fill a schedule between between this thing. We want to film on. Uh, we need to edit down for various times, and it's not going for films to be edited for broadcast. I would actually advise, as a, a brief digression, is if you ever watch want to watch Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, wait till it's on Channel Four or Film Four. Because their edit of it makes that film actually a lot more palatable, as a lot of the more annoying things, i.e. most of hub, uh, skids and mudflaps, more egregious lines, have been taken out. It's actually a much better film. But anyway, I digress. Someone thought, we need a, we need a Sunday, Sunday afternoon tea time film. <laughs> and scheduled Robocop. Robocop, the 18-rated, incredibly violent film um, for tea time. And, <laughs> yes, now, we all remember those of a certain age... Of uh, Bruce Willis as John McClane storming Nakatomi Plaza, shipping, shouting "Yippee Kaye, Kimosabi," yes. as opposed to "Yippee Kaye, motherfucker." It's it's actually a lost star that today's generation are probably missing out on is the hilarious redubbing yeah. of films uh, to be shown earlier in the evening. But again, we're still talking there about things like uh, Die Hard starting at say eight o'clock because there's a thing called the nine o'clock watershed in the UK, which yeah. It's a, it's a kind of wishy-washy thing, but generally speaking, you're not supposed to have certain content on before 9 o'clock in the evening on the UK channel. So you would have things like Die Hard, and let's say the film would start at 8 o'clock and run until 10 with adverts. So you would have dialogue replacement bits. So a little snippets here and there. But again, we're talking about Robocop, an incredibly violent 18 certificate film and time shot to death. Yes. <laughs> so, the, so the infamous uh, TT Medic was born. <laughs> and it's... I would love to get a recording of it. It's, it's one of these things. Put it on the DVD. Is you would it would sell probably about twenty copies, but the twenty people that bought it would love uh, it to death. It's one of those beautiful bits of censorship that renders the film completely unintelligible. Yes, but in such an amusing way if you know the original film, and it's one of those things that's still talked about today. Yeah. People actually remember the Robocop T T edit. It's, it's one of those. Uh, uh, the sort of things that's passed into folklore yes. for people of a certain age. Yeah. 
So then, so obviously... So we're back to uh, TV. So Robocop had a live-action TV series. And for one season, I believe. Yes. Uh, again, set in Detroit. With a ho- but they then gave him the sort of cartoon character, Dick Tracy, Rogue's Gallery. Yes. Uh, was it Face Morgan? Yeah. It was one of the one recurring... It was just... And a little kid, because it oh. kind of continued on for Robocop 3, really. Uh, there's others, there's others, Richard Eaton as well. Same, the same oh, chap. No, that's Robert, uh, Robert Burke. Oh, there's so oh, many Robert. of them. Yes. Okay, I do digress. Yeah. Uh, yes, you had that series, then you oh, had. But just to explain uh, the thing about that that made it funny, it was, um, as you said, it was kind of followed on from the films. Yeah. Like it was meant to be the same Robocop, it wasn't yeah. like a complete reboot. At least that was my memories of it, yeah. anyway. But. Um, the whole thing about Robocop is he walks around with a gun and he shoots people, I guess. But he couldn't do that, so he would do things. I remember one episode where he went into a big ballroom and then he's obviously not able to shoot the perps, so he would do things like he'd go, don't move. And then he would very slowly aim upwards and his eyes would zoom under the big chandelier and he would shoot the chandelier and the chandelier would fall on top of the villain, trapping them so they can't get away. So it was all very, very slapstick elements. And incredibly contrived ways that Robocop would not be able to shoot anyone at all because again the TV show was at least over here um, broadcast at tea times Channel 5 I'm not going to I think it was not STV mm. STV showed it first and then it was on I think it died on STV though it was yeah it died on STV but generally the tone of the show um, was aimed at kids and kids basically so yeah. you just couldn't do anything yes so that died to death and at that point you would think someone would say that's enough for Robocop oh no oh he'd be wrong Oh, so we had, was it Prime Directive? Prime Directive, four exciting uh, TV movies. Yes, uh, all with a loose uh, story arc tying them together. Uh, we've seen three and four. We have. Thanks to uh, the silent member. Yes, uh, he, he did send us the discs on the previous podcast. Yes. I don't know what became of them. We mailed them down. Did we? Yeah. I see. So that, when I had my recent one to clear out, I thought I would come across them, but I genuinely didn't. No. Uh, so there's still some Robocop tie out there for us to experience in the future. Yes. But at that point, Robocop finally, finally died, other than the occasional comic series. Yeah. As a film to media, the original canon, if you like, yeah. of Robocop was over. Until now. Yes. So we have, uh, as Rafa said, it's a 12A. So it's gone is the violence, in as much as it w- it's nowhere near as bloody and graphic as the, the original. Which leads me on to a rant. Not about the film or the rating, but just something that's always annoyed me since the early days of the internet is people confusing the rating of a film with quality. You see this quite a lot with um, things like sequels to certain films or remakes or even sometimes other films in general where people bitch and moan and scream because it's not an R in America or an 18 over here and they go mental about it. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, that does not have anything to do with the quality of a film. The story is the story. Just tell it. I've never at any point of ever in my life ever watched a film and thought, wow, if this was a different certificate, they could have done more extreme things and get away with it. It's just, no, just tell a good story. You can do an action-packed film at 12 or an 18 or a 15. No. So I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't understand why a lot of the early buzz for Robocop yeah. it was people going, oh, it's, not, oh, it's going to be shite, it's going to be shite, you know, it's like, well maybe it'll be shite, but not because it's I think the, the problem no. is, I think there's probably enough basement dwellers who are sitting there cocking hands thinking we've got a really good graphic <laughs> of Leon exploding again like he did in the, did in the first film. Yeah. I mean, generally even like the original Robocop, you go, yes, the violence is part of the kind of cartoony tone of it, but... It's, it's not really what you remember it for. No, because I even remember before I actually saw the full version, there was another, there was another edited version which was shown on UK television. Yeah. Not as extreme, but it did it cut back uh, Murphy's death yes. quite a bit. But you still knew what was happening in various bits. And to be honest, I mean, I eventually did see the unrated version uh, on DVD later on. I was surprised when actually how violent it was because I hadn't seen it. But you know what, it didn't actually add or detract from the story, it was just the way it was told. It's like, it was fine with edits, it was fine with it. Yep. So we have, for those that are unfamiliar with the uh, Rogue Cop story, is Officer Murphy gets severely injured in the line of duty and becomes part of a prototype for law enforcement called Rogue Cop. Uh, basically, that's your core premise, it's, yep. it's them. It's no different in the new film. The tone is slightly different. Yep. 
Mm. It's set in the future, obviously, as you'd imagine, because otherwise you'd have robot police running about just now. We uh, can see. Yeah. But anyway, it's sort of set there, and it's, it's shown... You, you get a... It replaces on the media break quick snippets that you got in the first film, which are scaling like Fox News now, as you have the Novak, uh, either element or debate, depending on what parts it is, fronted by Samuel L. Jackson, looking a lot like a very tidier James Brown. It's a very good thing that he has on. It's beautiful. And it's the Samuel L. that we remember from things like Jackie Brown. Yes. The one who could act. Indeed. So it, it kicks off with, we're seeing uh, American... Americans in Tehran keeping the peace and there's only actually one human officer there on the ground played by Jackie L. Haley Osman, uh, not Osman, uh, Rorschach from Watchmen or uh, celebrity paedophile uh, Freddy Krueger from the very unsuccessful Nightmare on Elm Street reboot uh, as the sort of human officer on the ground and he, at that point he says he gives a bracelet to the camera crew puts it in, keys it in and they're basically known as red assets and it basically means that they're protected by the drones that, you're going to, that you'll see and their safety is then paramount so you go about the drones in, are there are right away NT-09s based here again it's just an upgraded version of the, the film tippet design modernised and really faithful yep as it it would be sort of what Phil Tippett would do now if it was was coming out yep. and you have basically what looks like a cross between Robocop and Terminator endoskeletons yeah because these are basically just uh, I think ED-208s or ED-208s they're, they're the drones they basically go in and they're keeping Tehran safe by making every citizen in that in the town leave their property put their hands up and get scanned suggesting that this happens quite a lot yes while this is going on the camera crew are there uh, Samuel L is just is going on that America is the only country that will not allow these things here because Americans would not put their protection in the hands of artificial intelligence calling them robophobes while this is going on there's uh, some suicide bombers going there mm-hmm. uh, and during the, the ensuing uh, sort of suicide bomb attack one of the, the children of the suicide bombers runs out with a knife to confront what's going on because he's just watched his dad kill himself in the name of trying to, to get freedom for his people he has a knife the ED-209 turns him into well you, it cuts away quite well at this point, unlike the scene in the first Robocop yeah. where uh, the exec chap gets turned into hamburger, but you're left in no doubt that that little kid is now oh, yeah. vapour. Yeah. So, cuts to your uh, sort of some Senate, so a little bits of Senate debate, and the head of this, the corporation that's making these is Michael Keaton, who we should say right now steals the film. That's true. Uh, and then generally from there, because obviously you want to spoil the entire thing for you. Yep. Um, that's just that's just the opening. That's just the first few minutes. So it's just basically setting up the premise. That's that you get your idea there. That at this point it does sort of suggest we might get something as satire heavy as the first film. What do you want? It kind of backs off quite a lot from there. But to be honest, doing that on a your opening reel of a film, particularly if you want it to do well in America, is not yeah. not exactly. A, Showing you don't have any balls. No, and the thing is, to be honest, the, the satire element in terms of the old uh, TV broadcast and like, it's pretty much been done to death, both in the many other Robocop versions we yes. just went through to the point where I was actually quite yeah. tired of it, and mm-hmm. in other films as well. So and it's kind Fox of, News. And again, Fox News. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so really, I mean, I think it's, you have to do it slightly differently, so that's fine. So you then cut to. Murphy, played by uh, Joel Kinnaman, uh, and his partner is Lewis, who, instead of being played by a lovely woman, is played by Omar from The Wire. Unexpected. It, it works, but he's still scary. He's always scary. If you've, if, for those who haven't seen The Wire, Omar is a sort of a gangbanger and a very, very intelligent, articulate, sensitive guy in some bits, but also utterly terrifying. It's true. Uh, so they're going up against the local drug lord, uh, so no, sorry, uh, crime it's weapons, isn't it? It's yeah, crime chap. Crime chap. And during the during what happens, Lewis gets shot, and there's an elaborate thing, and there's a bomb blows up, and looks. That's how Murphy's born. It takes away. Yeah. There's your eight again. Gets you away from the violent death with with guns. Why well, well, still allowing him to die in a fairly audible way? Yeah. Because uh, he's reborn as Robocop, Gary Oldman. There's a chap who helps him. And in one, in one scene, you, uh, is revealed to you, going into the detail, 
how little of Alex Murphy is actually physically left, which arguably is more gruesome than in the original. Yes, the by quite a quite a bit actually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Murphy gets introduced as Robocop. Similar sort of thing. He's there, but he actually goes to solve his own murder, and it's that's kind of him bucking away from the control of Omni Corporation or OCP is what drives the film. Um, not going to go into any more of the story. So really, it's not particularly complicated. If you've seen Robocop, you have a vague idea of where the story's always going to be going. There's, I would say, there's not really, there's no real plot surprises that are going to have you going. Did not see that coming. No, there, there are no twists and turns. It's, it's very. It's, it's by it, when I say by the numbers, that sounds quite damning. But by numbers, as in it's just a very straightforward reinterpretation. Yeah. Uh, what it does there it, again. The only I think the big difference is Murphy's family are involved in this. Yes. Rather than in the the first day, they're only ever seen in his memories. So. Yeah. Uh, I would say as a, it is the second best Robocop that you're going to see. That's true. Um, it's, it is, it's, it's watchable. It's, it's as remake. What I would say is, if it was the, f- if there hadn't been another Robocop before, and this was the first one, mm, I would probably not think as think as much of it. Probably not. No, no. But after years of awful, oh, terrible, <laughs> terrible Robocop remakes, I mean, it's one of those remakes that um, it doesn't in any way come close to the quality of the original. However, it's not horrible enough to annoy you. And if there had to be, if there had to exist a Robocop remake, it's fine. I suspect it's one of those films which will probably not have a long life. No. I, I think it'll do okay, it'll probably do quite a home video, and I don't think it'll flop, but it's a sort I of film don't think it'll be particularly well remembered. No, it's the sort of thing that, it put me a little bit in mind of the first X-Men film in that it's really setting up for more interesting stories down the line. Yes, and by the time whatever happens comes to an end and it's finished, it, unlike a lot of attempts to start a franchise, it does actually tell a complete story. So while it leaves you with the possibility of, and now we can do more, if that's all you're getting, that's fine. Because that annoys me sometimes when you see films and you go, ah, that's just a setup. I speak of things like the 18th film, which whether you like it or not, was really just a setup for, well, the actual 18th film. Um, and it's pretty much come back next time for the team too and you'll get them actually going on missions and stuff rather than that actually being what the film's about that kind of thing annoys me yes. um, so you get that and, and the last minute the end of it going well ok that was fine unremarkable but watchable I would not be upset if they made a Robocop 2 but neither would have been particularly championing the book to see more but what helped a lot uh, the format we watched it on was IMAX uh, which if you haven't uh, been to an IMAX screen is a far higher resolution and a much uh, deeper sound system. Yeah. Um, so generally, even the turnest of turns will be enhanced by watching an IMAX. So enjoy the presentation. Had I seen it on a regular screen, or more particularly, had I seen it on home video, I think it might have been a lot less um, engaged. En- engaged by it. The other kind of slight downside had of it is Gary Oldman in it is very good, but he is playing Commissioner Gordon. I felt his performance style was close enough to Commissioner Gordon and Batman it did actually pull me out the film a few times when I was supposed to believe he was a doctor and I just thought he was Commissioner Gordon but it's not saying he's bad it's just it's a it's an underwritten role he's given yeah. and I got the feeling at times that either read the script to the director I'm not sure if, the character wasn't well defined enough as in is he supposed to be amoral is he supposed to he be a does. doctor is he supposed to be it's, it's very woolly he, his character I think suffers in that he's the one that has to be has to fit certain points of the plot to make it yeah. work uh, whereas Michael Keaton's character is not evil he's just absolutely immoral and wants to make money yeah. and he is absolutely fantastic oh yes it's actually the first time I've seen Michael Keaton in a new thing for ages there wasn't a voiceover uh, last time I've seen it was a CIA film thing that the BBC did I mean many series yeah so um and it was great to see him and uh, Commissioner Gordon on the, so it's like, especially when as I said Caddy Oldman's performance is so Commissioner Gordon like in certain bits you're just like Whoa. no Michael Keaton it was nice to see him in a feature film again and said after many years and uh, he's, he is the best thing in the film and Samuel L is great uh, he's used. only he's in it sporadically and he's, what I will say is make sure if you do go watch it keep your arse on the seat till the end because you, there is a bit where you might be thinking, right, time to get up. No. 
I don't, it's not a post-credit scene, but it's just before it goes to the credits. But you need to see it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it, it sounds kind of damning to say it's a bit me, but it's, it's acceptable me. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the next day after seeing it, and I know for well it is one of those films that asks me again in two or three weeks, and I probably won't remember much of it. But as a as a cinema-going thing, if you fancy it, it won't make you angry. It's all right. It, and sometimes it's all right is okay. Not everything has to be uh, amazing. It's just because so many remakes are usually so awful. Yes, it's, it's a different criteria. If Robocop was a standalone film, it would, we would kick it more. We would kick it a lot more. But what we're not going to kick is our next film. What was our next film? Uh, we're only back from a, from a couple of hours. Uh, we speak of the, the Lego movie. The Lego movie. Now, the Lego movie is the uh, latest attempt to make a film based on a toy line. Other um, more more well-known at this point, although we'll see if this film takes off, this could be one of those that seems more well-known. We've seen it three times, soon to be four times with Transformers. Yep. And I believe we've killed you before for the opinions on that. Yep. I think they're awful. Nice score though, but awful, because I think they missed the point of what they're based on, which are children's toys. Yes. In many, many ways. Anyway, they exist. Uh, two Johnny Joe films have been made. We think they might make a third. Who knows? I would like them to make a third. Um, quite different from each other, actually. Yeah. Meant to, they do follow on from each other, but they're very different tonally uh, and aesthetically. I enjoyed them both for different yeah. reasons. I thought they were okay. Again, successful. Uh, the other notable attempt was Battleship. Yeah. Which was... Uh, or as we, we really should call it, Transformers 3.5. Yes, Battleship. Uh, Battleship. Uh, Battleship was... <laughs> Battleship... Uh, not only was written in the same style as Transformers, had the same running time as Transformers, it was directed in the style of Transformers, the aliens and their craft were designed to look like Transformers, and they even employed the same composer, Steve Jablonski, to do a score which sounds very, very like his Transformers score. And the sound effects involved sounded very much like sound effects in Transformers. It's a game of two halves. First half, awful, on a par with Transformers films. Second half, kind of enjoyable. But not something I'll probably go back and watch again. Yes. So generally at this point, but even allowing for this, um, it's fair to say that although the Transformers films are massively successful, yeah. and the J.A. Joe films were also successful on a, on a smaller scale, yeah. uh, Battleship didn't do so well in the US, did a little bit better internationally, but for the budget and so on, was it wasn't hugely successful. Um, but generally, leaving money aside from it and personal opinions, Toy-based films are, I think, they're like where comic-based films used to be, not really particularly well-regarded critically. Yes. Or even particularly, shall we say, well-loved by the public. I mean, I would say the likes of Transformers films are films that people really enjoy, because they must do, they wouldn't make the amount of money they do, my opinion aside, but they're not really things that people love. No. They're not... They're spectacle to go along with. They're spectacle, yeah. But they're still... And then that's it gone. But the, the thing with toy-based films is they fall between two stones because you either have the choice of embracing the fact that, well, it's a toy line and we're going to make a film about these toys, or the other side of it, which is we're going to take a toy line, take some of the IP of the toys, change them around quite a bit, and then make a film of that. Yes. Which is uh, the problem. The Lego movie um, is quite a departure from previous versions. Uh, firstly, it's the first toy-based film is actually aimed at everybody. It's a use certificate. Other the previous toy-based films have been a- aimed at young adults and up, which is always been a curious dichotomy. This is actually an all-ages film. Um, we mean all ages in the, the sense of that is that there is something that you'll get. So we're going to try and talk about this film without giving any spoilers, because the whole point is I'm probably going to be uploading this before it's on general release, because we happen to... There are preview screenings, which has just been... Several cinema chains have taken a couple of days to show the Lego film ahead of schedule. Yeah, basically it opened in America on the 7th of February 2014 and uh, all the advertising for the Lego movie in the UK was February 14th. Yes. And very late in the day, as in very late in the day, um, some cinemas have tended to put screenings of it on on the 8th and 9th of February to get uh, go at it. Now it's been shown in 3D and 2D. Uh, I don't do 3D for various reasons. I've only done 3D once. And I saw the previews and usually when you have preview screenings it's usually one or two showings. It's not usually like a full programme during the day. 
Um, so I was just this morning, just I was actually looking up something else on the Sydney World website to see about another film. Uh, it's coming out the 14th. I went to see it and I thought, oh, Lego movie. And I was surprised to see that I had three 2D showings today. So I thought, let's go and do that. Because the problem we were going to have was what I'd, I'd seen some non-spoiler, just general comments and views of the Lego film from people in America who'd seen it, people in the UK who caught the preview screenings the day before. Uh, and what they seemed to have in common was don't look at spoilers. The less you know about this film, the more you'll get out of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we live on the internet. And unfortunately, a lot of our social circle, in this case, likes a lot of these things. And people are going to start talking about it. And you can't always tell people to shush. You can't help if somebody's excited and they go and, oh, I love that bit where it happens, you should go and see the film because of this. Yeah. So I thought, right, excellent, this film we can go see. And what I would say is it definitely does benefit from little as possible. All I knew about the Lego film was, I know there's various trailers. I'd seen one of the trailers. Uh, yes, I was aware of the sets and the shots, but I'd not really looked at them too closely. But a couple of the blind bag figures. Yeah. Um, but I don't really look too close at the sets because um, I don't want the film spoiled. So we went to see it. Yes, so uh, like Ralph, I'd only seen sort of one of the trailers with a certain popular fictional character from a number of Poplin movies of, of his own. So Poplin, in fact, he's ruining someone else's film in a couple of years' time. Indeed. Uh, I'm sure you can pretty much work out who we're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, but suffice it to say, so went on knowing very little about it. Uh, so. It's absolutely fantastic. It has, uh, well, you'll have seen the posters, so we'll point out that it does actually have quite possibly one of the finest takes on Batman you'll ever encounter. As in genuinely. Uh, yes, no word, word of a lie. Uh, it's just brilliant. What the, what the Lego film does as a starting point is that it actually uses the toys. It uses the toys in several respects. It's a, first of all, it's a combination of stop motion and uh, computer graphics animation to supplement it. So they use Lego bricks, they use Lego figures. The Lego people only move in ways that the Lego toys can. They can't mag magically move their arms. I mean, to explain, Lego themselves have, they've done a few TV shows uh, based on their stuff. There was an Engadjo show and there was a Chima show. The latter, which is not particularly good. Uh, and they've also done uh, DVDs and TV specials of uh, Lego Star Wars. And they did an animated film called The Adventures of Clutch Powers. Um, and various shops have done on online. These are all done computer graphics, but the computer graphics made to look like the bricks and so on. But they can still do things that the, the bricks can't do. And they're entertaining for what they are. But what this does is it basically says we're going to use the toys. So that's a good way of using the toy. We're also going to use the, the story of the film uses the toys in a very clever way that you couldn't have done with any other toy line and which actually makes the point of having it be a Lego film. It's not a film where they've just done a film and it could have been about anything. That they've just stuck to it and went, yes, Lego. Yeah. Uh, it also manages the very tricky fine line between celebrating the toy line it's based on without shilling it. Yeah. Which is quite hard to do because otherwise all you're doing is you're tipping over into a commercial. And people don't like to pay what is now quite a lot of money to go to the cinema to guess and get an advert. Particularly when, as I say, there's lots of Lego produced shorts, which you can view for free. Yes. But they put out our cheap DVDs. And there's also loads and loads of very talented people who animate Lego shorts themselves because it's just so much fun to do. Exactly. Um, so... So we're not... We're not going to tell you that. We're not going to say... It's very funny. It's very witty. Yes, it has. Again, it manages to get that balance right of there are jokes for everyone but the jokes for adults are not smutty or innu innuendo based to be or uh, pop culture based no they which are which is what usually happens there are jokes because there were points during the, the cinema where, where we went uh, today where there was a, a good range of ages a lot of young kids there who were silent throughout yeah now so, yeah because that's said uh, you'll know from previous episodes dear listeners I go to cinema quite a lot and I see quite a wide variety of things. I do enjoy going to see animations and so on. And what I t tend to notice is that if the film, if the cartoon or whatever, it's not engaging the kids, they start to run about. Or you hear the, the, you hear the adults having to shush the kids because they're getting restless and they're kicking the seats or, or they want to go to the toilet all the time. Or sometimes you'll just see um, people just taking the kids out because they're not enjoying it or they're acting up too much. 
video like all that in this film, there was silence. There was, there was however some amusement before the film began. Yes, now I should point out for long term listeners of the podcast, you may remember the, the, the horrible dark day of uh, Back Puss at the Edinburgh Fringe some years ago. Yes. Whereby uh, your two, uh, two lovely uh, co-hosts here, who I should point out for the interests of uh, this full disclosure, generally tend to, to sport beards and glasses. <laughs> now, these are, these are two overlapping areas on the uh, public uh, public perception of paedophiles Venn diagram. So, yes. as we were sitting, we took a couple of seats near the front so we could enjoy it. Uh, generally away from other people there because just on my background noise from other people. Yes. Uh, and so we had a, a bank of seats beside us where there was nobody near us. Yep. And every time a family came along near there, they would just take one look at us and move. One uh, granny in particular... Mm-hmm was just giving us such disgusted looks, backing away while the kids wanted to sit down there. Because they needed where, where, seats. where they wanted to sit, we'd still have left a, a, a bank of empty seats of three or four between us. So it wasn't like you had to sit, but they just would not sit beside us. No one, no one would sit where we were, we had this shield around us. Because, uh, and, I, and I was feeling quite indignant because I'm going, hang on a second, Lego is a toy line, which is actually all ages. They actually do stuff because I've been to two Lego shows. I'm hoping to go to a third this year. I am an AFOL, an adult fan of Lego, no less. I have spent £700,000 on Lego. I look up right now and I see lots of Lego. I have tubs under my bed full of Lego. I enjoy enjoy it. It It's one of those toy lines where you don't actually have to justify as an adult you collect it because it is one of those... Everybody, everybody, everyone, everybody yeah. either likes it or can understand it. Yes, it, it gets through that hole because for the for the t- more stereotypical mas- masculine alpha male type who does not like toys or those that, that geeky stuff, believe it or not, there's a construction element to that. Yeah, in quite nicely. But anyway, so we got it was just we are thinking that the next sort of all ages kids film we're going to go without our glasses. At least until the film starts. Yeah, because otherwise... Cliche, I'll, and, and cliche, because we're seeing... Well, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I was about to say, otherwise uh, I'll be listening to the film. Yeah. But we'll go along there and we will be clean-shamed for it and we'll see if I, this makes a difference. I'm actually thinking I may put a shirt and tie on. I might dress quite... Not like business smart. I'm not going to put like a film suit on. But I'm just talking about... For a night on the town sort of thing. I could have a night, night on the town. Nice, nicely yeah. dressed as if we were going to go out afterwards. Uh, clean-shaven... Glasses off until yeah. the film starts. Just to see. Just to, just to see what will happen. So we'll have to identify a relevant feature yeah. to test this out and we'll get back to you. Exactly. So, but, so moving back. But, but talking of testing. Coming back to the film. We're not talking, as I say, we're not going to go into this, boys. There are a number of license properties that Lego has. And yes, there's, there's little nods. What we can say, and it's not a spoiler is you're going to probably want to watch this film about five or six times. Uh, I'm not sure we'll be able to manage it at cinema due to work times, however it is an absolute slam dunk to get on Blu-ray when it comes out. I would actually say having watched it in the cinema, because of the craft of the film, because it is the actual Lego pieces with very cleverly done CG to supplant it, um, you can see the thumbprints, you can see the little chips of paint, you can see all the detail which adds a lot to it actually and I think that's one of those things that if you have the, the equipment to watch in Howard Donald uh, HD you should because while we, it would still imagine we find a standard def if you're particularly a fan of the animation and the look of it and particularly a Lego fan you'll get more of being able to see the detail because you also want to pick out oh that's that, that's that, that's that because this it's is very dense it's not, a f- it's not chucking Easter eggs in for the sake of it, which is one thing that boils the piss of both of us. Yes. It's just, it's calling on, we're Lego, we have all these random sets, we've got all these fantastic stuff, well, let's, and it doesn't chuck all of it in your face all the time, it just gives you a flavour and shows, and there's little bits that keep popping up throughout, yeah. but, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that. There's also one of those films that occasionally, um, out of focus in the background, characters are doing stuff or yes. people are walking back or there's a little wee story going on so I, I, I plan to because I'm still five minutes away from cinema and have a monthly pass um, probably will try and catch it again in 2D before the finishes this run because I'm currently without Howard Donald capabilities at home um, and I feel I've probably missed quite a lot but uh, it's very rare because I go to the cinema so often 
I'd like to see as many films as I can because I am a film buff snob. Um, and also Scottish. I, and also Scottish. Uh, I'll very rarely see a film twice on release because I usually think, well, that's time that I could have used to go and see a new film I haven't seen or all the three releases this week I want to see. I'm not going to, and like other people, I've got working relationships and so on, so I have only so much uh, time to go to the cinema. So I'll tend to prioritise that on seeing new films, but I will definitely try and catch this again before it goes, which is a mark of quality. But... So Never mind quality, we're heading towards the Titanic cliffhanger of this podcast. Well, it's not really a cliffhanger because the episode that comes up after this is one we've already recorded about a month ago. It's still a cliffhanger because it will pick up on the episode after the next one, which is the one we already recorded before this one. And the man will defend Yeah, keep up, keep up with that at home because I'm struggling to right now. Right. So, what's, what's going to happen is Andy's going to film while I walk out the room. Ralph is, is going away to retrieve something which. Uh, I'm reliably informed is aimed at my bad self. I'm being true-friended. I can't remember the exact specifics as to why. I believe it was a Twitter argument about something or other, as it usually tends to be. I'm not sure what it, what it is, but uh, he's singing just now. But any, anyway, uh, he's, he has returned as a, as a bag. Now, before we go on, uh, this is not from True Friend Fillers. All right. And hold to the grosh. Yes. Uh, this is a true friend gift from my other half, Andy. Oh, gonk. Yes. Who picked why, up... Why, why am I being true friended? You're the one that makes all the gems in the first room house. What we call love, my friend. Yes. <laughs> so, I have here a bag. Now, I'm going to describe this bag. It's, it's quite nice. It's, uh, you're that, you're that, it's yeah. a lovely cardboard box. It's got lots of coloured spots on it. Yeah. On one side, we've got a lovely array of... Um, what colour would you see that is? That's red. Oh, that's kind of maroonish. Okay. No, that's red. Alright, okay. Red, uh, blue, yellow, green. It's very nice. It's the kind of thing you see at boutiques or possibly gifts for children. Yes. Uh, we took the background. That's the same thing. It's the same but it's glittery. It's quite yeah. nice. It's got a lovely red red handle. So I'm going to hand this to Andy and he's going to describe what happens from now on. Alright, okay. So, inside, there is a, something wrapped. St. Thomas the Tank Engine Packaging. Oh, Thomas the Tank Engine is, is always good. He's, At he's, least it's not Postman fucking pack. I know. Uh, now, we'll digress just for a moment here. There's uh, Postman Pat is a beloved institution from our childhood. It is. Uh, there's an upcoming feature film coming out featuring Postman Pat. Known as Postman Pat, the movie. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, it's done in computer graphics. Just It's done CGI rather than any sort of stop motion model. That's not the source of rage as such, because no. the computer graphics looks like it's done to make it look yeah, like it's the stop motion, but so that's acceptable. It still sticks out, you know straight away you can look and go, because it's too smooth and clean. As you mentioned with the Lego thing, yes. there's the imperfections are sort of there. Uh, problem is, it's got nothing to do with him delivering mail, it's got him being involved in some wanky talent show. And fucking robot, fucking and double. Robot, and David Tennant's involved. Now David Tennant, we love you David Tennant. But you are not the arbiter of quality in cinematic. There, there is a rule about cinema, which is if David Tennant appears, the film will be bad. Except what we've not yet seen the Fright Night remake, so we can't 100% It's true, but, but all sources tell yeah. us. Given that sequel went straight to DVD, yeah. So anyway. We digress. Yes, digress. So, so uh, now there's tape on there with the pack. Looks like the Pac-Man ghost. Yeah, isn't that nice? Isn't that Lovingly that. Peep, yeah, peep says Thomas. Peep, he's super peep. busy. He is. He is yeah, indeed. So. Yeah, so uh, we're removing the tape. It's all good so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, I shall take the tape from me. Let me use it. Lovely yeah. bag there for you. Why not? So I'm going to do it. This time open. Set it. Oh, there's multiple items. There's here. multiple items, Andy. So now I'm going to take them at the time as it were, just to. Uh, uh-huh. So. Oh, what's that? that? Gingerbread with strawberry filling. Oh, that doesn't oh. seem so bad. I've actually had them before. They're quite nice. So, that, so you thought this was going to be something terrible. But hang on a second, why don't, why don't you try and find a thing to look at here? So you, you thought True Fred might be getting something terrible. How little did you suspect? Little did you suspect it's actually something quite nice. They are, they are quite nice though. It has a fruit based uh, element to it, which I know these are allergic to, but it's quite tasty. Yeah. I'll have one. All good. This is from Poland Land. A fine land. Yeah. Yeah. So, we like one. so what are you calling that now? It's in a box. Oh. You look confused. Meh. 
Uh, oh, I know it's not a kitchen scale. It's a box for the. Well, well. So that, 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 that clearly says. Salter. Art electronic kitchen scale. Well, you did a kitchen scale, didn't you? I think it's absolutely lovely. My other half had got you some lovely Polish strawberry filled gingerbread, and which are uh, made by the company Delicious Cookies, which are quite light. All fairness. Um, and the fact it's been resealed with the Pac Man tape would suggest that's not actually what's going No, 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 because maybe she does uh, what my mother usually does, which is if she gives some. Wait, you get your hand off that in a second. Which if she gives something electronic to someone, what my mother used to always do is she would always open it up in the shop first to make sure the piece oh, it was all intact. Then she would reseal it and give it to me. Could be that. And also at fed scale, kitchen scale, foods, all that, it's all good people like to eat. What's inside? What what have you found? Is it a beautiful set of kitchen scales? No. Oh! It's another layer! Let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there. It's like one of those kind of Russian dolls, isn't it? It's a DVD I can feel from the plate. But it's a jewel case, so what, 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 but what's what's that, that looks like a lovely kitchen wall. It's got uh, birds and, and Audigy things and so on, it's fine. Oh! And the fin! It's still not over! It's in a bag. It's a bag with balloon pictures on it. Yeah. This just gets better and better the whole time. What a level of suspense. I'm trying to think what it could be. What could it be? Actually, open it up! <laughs> what, and, and then it's a cl- plastic bag? Yeah, it's a plastic bag, uh, not lead lined. It contains uh, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia the movie. Mamma Mia the movie. No. It's fully featured, but it's got a commentary, it's got deleted scenes, it's got a game, it's got making of. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So Mamma Mia the movie is uh, what Andy has. What this means is that when we um, reconvene uh, for the next podcast, which confusingly won't be the next one you hear, but the one after, but the one after, but the one we do next, Andy is under orders. The orders are as follows. He must watch Mamma Mia and Company to talk about it in the podcast all the way through without breaking. Secondly, he's not allowed any alcohol while the film is playing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not cricket. I have been told you must experience it sober. Now I'd like to point out, I have previously seen Mamma Mia also quite sober because I was on one of the television channels at uh, Christmas time and as shall we say, a unique motion picture experience. So you watched on TV, so you had ad breaks. I did have ad breaks. I had the breaks during it then. Do we hear? So, um, it's, this is the film that's uh, it's about ABBA, the musical, and it features James Bond, Pierce Brosnan singing. So stay tuned for two episodes time, where you get to find out just what Andy thought about Mamma Mia. And I'm just going to impart one last piece of knowledge to him, as well as having to watch it all the way through in company, for the podcast, as well as not being allowed any booze whatsoever while the film is playing. He's also under orders to watch the deleted scenes as well. And I see from the description here that that includes the deleted musical number, name of the game. <laughs> so it's, uh, thank you for the music from us here at Startup Towers. Yeah, we'll see you same time, same bat channel. Such an unhappy film. I can hate shit. <laughs> uh, she's on the list. <laughs>